And hello, welcome to another Funky Marketing episode. Today I have a pleasure uh, to do an episode with a dear friend of mine, Sam Dunning. Uh, I've been a guest on his podcast. We've been going back and forth, you know, organizing this episode. And today we're going to talk about crafting a website that converts, about simplifying SEO and should we actually focus on SEO in B2B or not? And here we go. Sam, welcome to the show, my man. Hey, Namanja. Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. I love that intro. I was having a little dance there. Good little jingle. Yeah. Uh, Erin Balsa also told me, uh, I don't know if it was her or uh, <laughs> Diane, but, you know, lots of people have told me that they're dancing to it <laughs> and they may, maybe I should keep them on the screen while the intro <laughs> is going on. <laughs> Good man. Good fun. So, uh, what's up, man? Long time no here. What's new? What's old? How yeah, are you doing, doing well. these days? Oh, good. Cheers. Yeah, just just ramping up our company, webchoiceuk.com, ramping up the podcast, Business Growth Show, and uh, messing around on LinkedIn in between uh, designing and building websites and, and crafting out SEO strategies, really. That's, that's a typical day-to-day in the life of Sam Dunning. Sounds good. Sounds good. So, so tell me, why, why is the two of us talking about you know, building website that converts SEO and those kind of stuff. Tell tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So um, we can, we can take it wherever we want to go. Really, I mean, in terms of um, kind of my background, I've been messing around with websites and SEO probably for a good 10, 11 years now. Um, working with kind of all sorts of businesses, really smaller kind of companies, bridging up to enterprise level, and kind of started off really at at this company just being a jack of all trades really getting chucked in to do a bit of sales getting chucked in to build some wireframes getting chucked in to do some project management and then kind of recently came on board like i say recently probably two or three years as one of the co-owners and just just really ramped up really kind of polished my own marketing skills and you'll know namanja from running a podcast that you get to interview people that you want to learn from steal their ideas integrate your own ways of doing things and yeah just i mean one of the main things that we like to look at is actually crafting marketing strategies, namely design and build of websites and SEO that actually drives revenue. So we don't care about vanity. We don't care about pleasing CEOs or marketing execs. We want to actually do things that drive results, namely generate qualified inbound pipeline or generate revenue. So um, that's, that's what I tend to talk about a lot on the podcast and on here shows like this and on LinkedIn. So yeah, keen to, Want to talk about websites or SEO, whatever way you want to take it. Yeah, let's let's go. So, uh, look, there is one thing that I'm uh, not seeing many people talk about, and it's like the the hyper growth company, the ones that are the most successful in that, didn't focus on building the new demand. They were creating products or services in the field when there is the existing demand. And when right. we look at it from that perspective, like having the website that tells a story and converts mm-hmm. and focusing on SEO, there are people looking for what you are selling. Yep. Like those two components of the business becomes uh, more and more important. And there, there is a saying that, you know, SEO isn't important in B2B. I tend to agree because like if you look at uh, Chris Walker, if you look at others, we are all not saying you know that you know we are saying that we are not focusing on seo but distributing content is actually helping the seo you know we might not focus specifically on seo but we are doing it just not saying it. what do you say about that completely disagree um so Let's i had <laughs> finally finally <laughs> so i actually yeah i had chris walker on our show business growth show a while back and Whilst I, I, I say there's two angles to this, Nemanja, so I'm all Defin- for... Definitely, at, le- at least two. Yeah, at least. Um, but I'm all for demand generation, right? I mean, we run the podcast, we, we do a lot of organic LinkedIn stuff, we do YouTube. So we're doing all these different bits and pieces to educate ideal clients, in our case, on websites and SEO. But if your your business, whatever your sector is, sharing useful educational pieces of media, text posts, videos, podcasts, whatever that is, so... When someone eventually needs your services, you've given them so much value, so many helpful tips, educational pieces that you're the only choice in their mind. So building up that demand strategy, that makes sense. But that's a long term play. 
And that's all about creating demand. Um, so it's not quick. It's not click your fingers, grab some leads, you're away. It's a long-term strategy. But on the flip side, especially if you're a startup or if you've got some resources, you've got some cash in the bank, why not capture demand that's already there? So this is for people that aren't necessarily going to know your company or know your brand. So with demand gen, people are going to know your business, of course, because you've been liaising with them on whatever channel they've been consuming your content. Whereas if we talk about search, let's say I am a B2B company. I'm a, maybe I'm a B2B tech company. Maybe I need a new piece of CRM software. For some reason, I always talk about CRM, don't know why. Um, but let's say I need a, a CRM software for a tech or fintech company. If I don't know a brand already, I'm probably going to go to Google search, right? And type in like best CRM for fintech or fintech CRM provider or something like that. And the chances are you're going to see a bunch of organic listings and you're probably going to see a review site listing like G2 Crowd or something like that. Um, and if you don't have a supplier of choice through following someone and doing the demand gen route, you're probably going to click either a Google ad or an organic search. So this is where SEO comes into play or Google AdWords. So Google AdWords is a quick, quick way to get to market, get in front of idle clients choosing, looking at what you do or SEO likewise, getting you to page one of organic search for people who are actually searching, need your help right here, right now. They'll click that. And on the basis that your website clearly shows what you do, how you can help and is easy to get in touch, then you're going to generate some inbound leads. So I say, why not do both? Why not do, do demand gen, build up your reputation, get qualified inbound that way long term? And likewise, why not run Google ads? Why not run SEO so you can capture existing demand? They might not know your brand, but it's your sales team's job to then nurture these leads properly, have good conversations with them and show them that you are if you are a good fit, the vendor to help them move it forward. Why not do both? There's not enough conversation now about running both. It seems, especially on LinkedIn, people are like, yeah, do demand gen, forget about SEO. No, I want to drive more revenue for my company. I'm going to do both. I totally, I totally agree. Uh, you know, I just finished writing a strategy for a client that focuses on both. Because I think like, especially if you are, uh, you know, a startup starting going to the to the industry when there is an existing demand, you need to do Google Ads to kind of uh, you know get to more calls, get to more discussions with people, and get more people to buy. That people there are ready right now. They may not be the huge number, but if you don't, you know, Google Ads on one hand, we also give you the chance to to see how big is the existing demand. Exactly. As well over there. Uh, but just one thing, like um, SEO is not something that can get you results right away because it's a long-term play. Uh, I mean, sure, if you, uh, but I like to do it like combining with uh, Google Ads and SEO. So writing an article which is focusing on the bottom of the funnel and then, you know, as you said, listings or, uh, you know, comparing your product or your services with the clients and pushing that through the Google ads, that will do the work because, you know, sometimes it can get also in the, in the same position where uh, your article will be in a couple of months if you do the SEO right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And SEO doesn't always need to be article driven whilst information yeah, pages can be kind of like you say really well ranked and they can have a useful topic that shares insightful points and data statistics and maybe answers questions that prospects often come to you with so when they search on google they find you but likewise you can for some searches bottom of the funnel searches where people are directly uh, needing help with a the product they might link through to your homepage, and then like i say if your website yeah. can convert there is there is one there is there is one thing before we move to the website uh, that I like to do as soon as I you know build the website regarding SEO those kind of stuff see which local directories are relevant for my industry and subscribe to all of them it gives you the instant boost in the in the search engines and it makes you visible over there you know and I don't think many people do that. And it's like the easiest way to get some boost in the search right away from the start. Well, yeah, you're, you're right. That is a nice tip. Um, I think a lot of a lot of business I've spoke to anyway, and that might just be from lack of understanding of SEO, which is absolutely fine because it's a complex beast. It's not like one thing you can read an article and just understand SEO and get page one. So a lot of a lot of times it needs to be stripped back. And if you're doing a website design and build, you probably want to do it from the ground up. And what I mean by that is, first and foremost, think about your keyword research, the actual search terms you want to target of your website and using tools like 
SEMrush or Ahrefs or Ubersuggest or Google Keyword Planner, really thinking about what keywords are going to drive revenue. So if that is things like your CRM provider, best CRM provider or best accountancy software for small businesses, looking into these search terms where people are typing them and they're actually needing your service right here and now and making sure that you're targeting kind of relevant ones, so picking that on your keyword list. And then likewise, maybe considering stuff slightly higher in the funnel, like where people are comparing option A versus B, or then right at the top of the funnel where people are thinking like how to find the best X or what to consider before doing Y or top tips to doing X, those kind of things. So thinking of top, middle and bottom of the funnel of your keyword research, and then which we'll probably chat about in a minute, when you actually design and build your website, making sure your website from a content standpoint has information pages that these search terms can link to that actually covers all the common sales questions around them, covers objections, gives useful resources, podcasts, guides, infographics, you name it. And at the same time, your website from a technical standpoint, your metadata, your meta descriptions, what shows in the in the search results, and then your, your meta titles, your um, page titles, your image alt tags, all the technical bead, um, all the technical points are in your page speed and all this good stuff, your mobile responsiveness has to be thought about from day one because if you're building a website and then saying oh, okay i want to seo it now you have to almost go back a step because then you have to do your keyword research you have to do your technical points you have to re out build out your content in line with your seo strategy so if you can do it from the start and then you can start thinking about off-site things like getting on listings building articles distributing them building backlinks because a lot of people just think seo is putting out content and building links but there's a lot more to it you need to start with a solid foundation which is the design, yeah. build, and content and technical structure of your website before you go full swing with off-page off, site, off page SEO? Yeah, there, there is a lot in the structure of the website, uh, you know, before you even build it, build it uh, you know. Yeah. So, so let, let's, go, let's go from the start. Like, uh, let's say we, we have a company, we had only a landing page so far, we mm. had some traction, now we want actually to build the website. And to, you know, to be more involved, to build the foundation and then spread on through SEO, through social media, whatever. So uh, what are some steps that we need to, uh, to take in order to, you know, to, before we start building it, actually? Yeah, so if, if this company wants to think about SEO, then doing what we just chatted about there, doing some relevant research around the search terms, the keywords. Yeah, after, after the research, we cover, we cover, we cover that, yeah. And the other thing is on a different point on the research is thinking about who this site actually wants to attract. Yeah. So like I post about on LinkedIn all the time, the worst thing you can do is if you actually want your website to act as your best salesperson, I mean, websites are live 24 seven on the basis that you're marketing or advertising it, it can constantly be in front of ideal clients. So the worst thing you can do with your site is design it for something that you think looks cool or your boss thinks looks, looks cool or your marketing team. Ultimately we want to design it to attract, build trust with, qualify and convert our ideal clients. So it does the hard work for us, filters out the time wasters and brings us qualified leads. And that's what most B2B companies want. So, and B2C as well. So with that said, before you start designing or building stuff, let's say like you said, manager, perhaps you've got a landing page or a very simple site in place right now. Probably one of the best things to do is find out what's most important to our customers. So if we've got kind of, five or so great existing clients that we enjoy working with that generate good revenue that we can perhaps set up some calls with and just say, look, what do you like about our website right now? What do you dislike? What would, what do you feel is missing from this site? And what is kind of these kind of questions, what's important to you when looking at a vendor in our spaces website and you'll get all these interesting insights. Like for example, when I did it on ours, they were like, well, your site's missing a pricing page. So one of the main things I want to do is look at pricing. Um, or they might say, you're missing case studies. I really want to see some of the companies that you've helped or your contact form's way too long. You're asking me for 20 fills. I just want to put my name, email, budget and get in touch. So they'll give you all these golden nuggets around what they care about, what they want to see on your site, what's most important to them, what they want to get out of a site like yours. So that's, that's just a quick snapshot. So kind of interviewing your best current clients or current prospects to understand what they care about seeing on a vendor like yours website. Um, and likewise with your messaging. And what you'll find is when you're talking to prospects that you've probably covered a bit in previous episodes in the mandras you'll understand the terminology the actual language they use so when let's say we've done this research um the first the first thing if someone clicks an ad or if they click off social or if they click your link on google organic search they're probably going to go to your home page see your head um 
your hero area or your banner area and your, your headline, right? So many B2B websites just have confusing headlines that talk about how great they are, that they recently got funding, that they're award-winning, that they're cutting edge. Customers don't give a shit about this stuff. They want to know that yeah. you can either make their life better, make their business better, or solve the problem that they care about. Um, so there's something that I, when you get to designing your homepage, a guy called Donald Miller coined something called the grunt test. And that is, could a caveman yeah, land on your site? Song. Yeah, could a caveman land on your site and grunt exactly what you do, how it helps them, and how to get in touch all within a few seconds. If they can't do that, then you're, you're missing out on leads, you're missing out on revenue. So having a headline that really cl clearly shows, like, for example, ours is we build websites and SEO strategies that generate leads and sales, or a clear strap line that shows what you do, or the problem you solve, or how you help, and then a clear call to action, like request a consultation, book a strategy call, so someone can quickly take that next step if they want to, because a lot of people will, if they've clicked your ad or if they've come from search, they want to be able to quickly take that next step. So yeah, that's that's something to unpack before we go into a few more. Yeah, and that and that's actually hero part of the website uh, tends to be one of the most important things because, you know, you want uh, your, let's maybe get into a couple of things that people do uh, from here. For example, as you, as you mentioned, lots, lots of them put something like, uh, you know, the most innovative and user-friendly platform out there. Or, yep. uh, you know, um, I don't know. And, and like, look, all of them know what what customers want to, want to get. So usually description is much better fit for the headline. That's uh, something that I uh, often see. And it's like, I don't know, we... Um, with us, you save at least 51.3% uh, in cost, uh, increase, uh, I don't know, customer satisfaction, those kind of stuff. That's something that they want to see when they enter the page. Not that you are the most innovative and user-friendly platform. Those kind of stuff. And also, like, what I see uh, lots of times, because companies usually use the templates of the website that are yeah. designed to look beautiful, not to convert. So yep. like the CTA goes below uh, when you below your screen, yep. so you don't see it right away, and you get the, the the extra nice hero. You get the description, but then the seat, you don't see the CTA, and you need to scroll to click, and yeah. you know that that's the deal deal breaker sometimes. Well, that's it. I mean, most most of the time, if you're running ads or if you're doing SEO or if you're doing different digital marketing campaigns, the chances are. A lot of the time, if you're, if you're looking at the bottom of the funnel, if you're looking to capture demand rather than going on a demand gen strategy, people are probably comparing two to three vendors, right? So they just mm -hmm. want to flick on your website quickly, maybe look at your homepage, look at your services, look at your pricing and get in touch. So if it's difficult for people to understand what you do, how you can help them, and then take that action, book that strategy call, they're just going to flick to a different website, a competitor that gives them a better experience. So... Yeah, really, really important. Think, make it as simple as possible. If you're not sure about the language that your customers use, then just go for clarity. You can't go too wrong. If you keep it nice and simple, this is what we do. This is how it helps people. Here's how to get in touch. You won't go too far wrong. And then you could adapt on that strategy. So with that said, um, making sure, this will help SEO too, making sure your website loads really fast is really, really important. So I, I talk about this all the time. Speed is a killer of websites. So... If your website takes three, four, five seconds to load, any longer than that, you're going to be missing customers. Um, so I, ideally, you want it kind of one second or close to that as you can. And you can use a tool called Google PageSpeed Insights, literally copy and paste your link, and it'll tell you your page speed on mobile and PC, and it'll give you some tips to speed it up. Um, but yeah, if your website loads slowly, people will get frustrated, your bounce rate will be high, and then people are, again, just going to head to a competitor because you've really annoyed them, and it's probably harmed your brand reputation as well. So it's something that you you may not even know. So if you check this page feed now, it's like five seconds or more, then you might be wasting money. You might be throwing ad budget down the drain. Um, so that's something you want to check straight away. And then, yeah, looking at your messaging on your homepage. Also thinking about mobile view, but yeah, we can chat about that in a sec. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one thing I think uh, we can get into is we, we talked about the structure of the website. And, you know, there is important that in in three clicks at least you know at least not at least but in most three clicks they get to to the cta and to the point when they want to go on the website so it means navigation to the website how they slide from page to page needs to be uh things before they build the website 
So let's talk a little bit about the importance of that. In terms of navigation and CTAs? Yeah, because I think, I think uh, you know, looking at especially now the SaaS websites and tech dev companies' websites, like you get lost in the website. You, you get lost and you cannot go back easily, you know, and it means like you yeah. are just digging your hole and covering yourself up, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I often say your, your website can quite literally be your very best or it can be your very worst salesperson, depending on how, how it's designed, how the content is, how it's structured and all this good stuff. Because like I was saying earlier, because if you do it right, it can clearly show what you do, how you help. But it can also give a clear idea. It can build trust with people. If we utilize social proof, we can chat about it in a minute. It can qualify people through pricing pages and then it can convert them, guiding them to book that next step, whether that's a call. But yeah, talking about navigation, I mean, I guess there's a few things to consider on mobile view and your desktop view. So most B2B SaaS company websites, for example, you have a top menu nav that's probably sticky. So what I mean by sticky is the menu sticks to the top of the page. When you scroll down, it stays fixed to the top on your PC or mobile. And then usually in the top right corner, you've got some kind of call to action. Book your strategy call, book your tailored demo, book your free assessment. Um, and then usually that call to action in the top right corner is fixed. And it's usually like an orange button or something like that that stands out on the website. So it's very, very clear. And then typically that is in your, your banner area and your hero area. And likewise, the call to action is probably placed, kind of spread it out through information pages. So as you scroll down, it's really easy to click that main CTA and then book your call or whatever that next step is. Um, quick one on call to action. Sometimes people aren't sure what to call their call to action or sometimes people have loads of different call to actions like throughout their site. It's like, yeah, learn when, more, when they're not sure, let's, quote, put, let's put two or three more, right? Yeah, and it's kind of confusing. So I'd, I'd usually re recommend to go clear and just have the one or two CTAs throughout and just make them descriptive. So if you're not sure what to call it, just explain in the CTA exactly what someone gets. So if that is book your 30 minute strategy call or book your tailored consultation and then then just deliver on it, send them to a, to the Calendly link or send them to your inquiry form and help them easily make the next step. Chili Piper is an advanced scheduling solution for B2B revenue teams. Rather than listen to me ramble on, here's a super happy customer describing how Chili Piper has revolutionized the way they work. Chili Piper as a tool has just become part of our fabric. It's our meeting booking system for our prospects. And you'll be pleased to hear it just does it. It's like the ideal piece of software which you don't have to babysit. It just does what it needs to do. My SDR team like using it as well. The main bulk of their role is outbound prospecting, which they use Chili Piper to book, book those meetings. Ultimately they are booking meetings for the account executive. Their handoff is working, you know, really well. You just heard there how Chili Piper can free up resources and turbocharge your productivity. Book your free demo today over at chilipiper.com slash BGS. That's C-H-I-L-I-P-I percom slash BGS, chilipiper.com slash BGS. Are you tired of competitors stealing your traffic, leads, and sales all because they're higher on Google? Maybe you're investing in paid ads but want to enjoy the benefits of organic SEO, meaning free traffic and inbound customers and not having to pay Google for every single click. Or perhaps you're running SEO and ads, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Any of this sound familiar? Let the team at WebChoice fix that for you. Book a free consultation today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. question here to increase trust and increase the number of people that have actually clicked the CTA what are some things that you recommend people to do uh, you know in terms of design or how they structure things yeah so you want to think about social proof um, so think about think about your own buying journey for example so if you're going on a website and you're looking for a product if you've not heard of the brand before and you find them on search or you find them elsewhere you might be a little skeptical so you probably want to look at things like 
client reviews, so whether that's like some kind of review slider, maybe you want to look at accreditation. So if you're like G2 rated or clutch rated, maybe looking at to weave those into the design somehow. Or if you can get client testimonial videos, that's even more awesome. So for an example, like if someone clicks your CTA to book a call and then on your book a call or your contact page, you might have an inquiry form on one side and then left of that, you might have a testimonial from a client video. That's a and great that, one. Yeah, yeah, literally. And that's like a one minute snappy video. And it says, this is the problem I came to them with. This is why I chose the company. This is how they helped me overcome the results, uh, overcome the problem, sorry. This is what life is like now. So it's literally like a one or two minute snapshot of exactly what they came to you with, like a common problem, how you help them overcome it, what life is like now, revenue you've gained, all that good stuff. Um, or if you can't do that, maybe you can just have one of your best client testimonials next to the inquiry form. And just all these little things, as people are flicking through a site, seeing reviews, seeing videos, seeing accreditations, just layer up trust. Um, and then one of them might be the tipping point that kind of think, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to speak to sales now. So let's let's book that call. So those kind of things help with the trust building process. Yeah. And I think like if you look at the, the structure of the of the, let's say, homepage or the website or any landing page, you know, you need to uh, to communicate and know what are the biggest obstacles for the, for the clients or the customers that you are reaching out, and what is the biggest the biggest obstacle. You put it in the upper place uh, on the page. For example, I don't know if there is, if it's a trust, then you put a video or testimonial, written one with a photo, with a video, whatever it is, higher up in the website. So you know. You create the trust right away when they come to the website. Also, like I th what I think works really well, I like to do it um, to put the logos of the client uh, right yep. under the CTA because when they come to the CTA, they can see the logos. So yep. vi visually, it uh, increases increases trust in a way. Yeah, yeah, like clients we work with and that kind of stuff, like you say, with with trusted logos and, and things like that. Yeah, yeah and, and also depending on, you know, uh, what you are selling, also some things that you also mentioned, like, uh, you know, from relevant websites, uh, if you are, I don't know, uh, a development company and you have been awarded, so you can put those award certificates, whatever it is, whatever increases trust, right um, below the CTA. Sure. Yeah, why not? I mean, test things out as well. Because if you're running ads to your site, and if you're spending money on advertising or marketing, then you can you can test test what works. For example, you can tweak your your main call to action. So might right now your call to action might be contact us, and then maybe try tweaking it on maybe one of your landing pages or across your main site to book your strategy call. And then you might see a two percent increase in click throughs. You might not, but test it out, and then see see what works. I mean that's the great thing about your website. You can constantly tweak things using tools like analytics and Hotjar heat mapping tool and survey tool you can get really useful insights and it's a living thing right so there's always small tweaks that you can do to copy to social proof these yeah and, and you know like uh, I think lots of times uh, I see people that you know have an idea have a feeling that it will work but they listen to too many people and then when it comes to the website when they build it it becomes mm -hmm. vanilla in a way, because they listen to all those people, not to offend this one. Not yeah. to, he said he says it's not good to have that many text on the website. The other says, you know, uh, we need to do this. The other says we need to do that. So, you know, uh, I have have an example of when we did the first punky marketing website. Yep. The only thing that I wanted to do is to write all the things that I wanted to do so people can read on a website. That the website basically becomes the big article. And, you know, the, um, the guy I was working with, he was like, no, like, look at the e-commerce, look at all the stuff. People don't want to read. The emails are becoming shorter. And then I say, okay, let's write out. I uh, installed the hot jar and look at what people are doing. And they were literally going line by line with a mouse. Uh, and, you know, like reading, L like you are doing with a book. And I said, aha, there it goes. People are actually reading. So like the, the bounce rate was going low and the, the time people spend on the website was going up. And I couldn't know that if I, you know, if I went with something else. But lots of people don't have that chance. That's why it's good to test things out and, you know, not be afraid to change things when you see something that isn't working. Like I recently worked with a company and they said, like the website is shit. 
basically they are the company that are connecting hardware and software and it's elementor but it's like basically a template yeah a- and uh, the pages are actually not the pages they are the posts that are uh, you know merge to kind of look like pages right, and i was okay. like well, i don't want to touch this it will break down if i change anything so uh, i told them what it is and they said oh okay i see that and i agree but it will look unprofessional if we do the second website in a year, mm. right? But it doesn't look uh, unprofessional when they have the not functional website. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing, right? I mean, with that said, a lot of companies will almost fall off their chair, especially B2B tech companies and SaaS companies. When you say, look, they'll, they might say, look, we want a 50 page site. It needs to do X, Y, and Z. It needs to generate leads for these kind of vital clients. I start start asking them about their average order values, and they're saying like, "Yeah, our, our annual ICV annual kind of order value is fifty k plus." Mm-hmm. We're like, fine. So we talk about the site. We say, "Well, it's it's going to be kind of ten k plus, depending on kind of which way you want to take it." And then they're like, "Why is the website so expensive?" I said, "Well, you've just told me that your average order value is fifty grand plus. The website is a very small investment considering you want to kind of generate these high quality, high value order clients, and it needs to." needs to really attract with them it needs to build their trust it needs to qualify them and then send leads to your sales team so it's um thinking about your site not just as a one-off thing but the fact that a lot of your marketing is actually going to go to this site so if it doesn't do a good job a lot of those visitors are just going to go down the drain and your competitors are going to start stealing and enjoying your customers so um yeah thinking about it as a a long-term investment and like you say there's nothing wrong with doing a template site so if you're a startup bootstrapped you might not have many funds you might not you might be cash poor to start with which is fair enough so you might just want to throw together a cheap template but then as you start getting clients then you might want to kind of re- reassess the site like you say take a more custom approach do some customer research do a bespoke design and build really making sure that your site is going to attract idle clients and convert them so it depends on what stage your company's at on kind of how much you yeah. should invest and and it's a changing it's a thing that you can change you know you mm-hmm. don't need to change the whole website but you can adjust the communication the messaging yeah. because you know our icp is not ideal when we start you know and it changes it evolves exactly. and based on that we need to change the messaging when we change the messaging we need to change it <sighs> okay seems like Okay. Okay, we're back. back. We're back. back. (laughs) Yeah, it happens when you live stream the recordings. (laughs) No worries, man. So something interesting to add there. So we talked about social proof. So we've talked about kind of having clear messaging on your homepage. We've talked about using social proof to build trust. But another thing your website is great for is qualifying prospects. So a lot of companies are quite frustrated that the leads they're getting, and this might be your business, like other businesses too tuning in, that they're getting a lot of leads, but the leads they're getting, their sales team are getting annoyed because they're speaking to them and they're not a good fit. They don't have budget. They don't understand what they do properly. So your, your site can be really good to actually qualify the inbound that you get. And one of the most effective ways to do this is for your pricing page. So a heck of a lot of businesses, when I say you need a pricing page, especially in B2B tech, SaaS, don't want to share our pricing. It might put people off. It's too complicated, right? It's too complicated. (laughs) Well, I think we'll get less leads. Yes, you will get less leads, but the leads you get will actually understand where your rates start. So, for example, a lot of SaaS companies might have product A, product B, product C, um, which is very simple to price up. And you might have kind of the key features at the top. And then lower down, you might have um, perhaps some customer stories, some testimonials. And then you might have some frequently asked questions at the bottom of the page to handle common objections that people bring up on sales calls so you can really address those and help people take the next step and convert. But then other other more complex, like you said, Nemanja, other more complex um, tools or projects or software might say, well, it's really difficult to price up our, our uh, software. Well, in that case, you can give rates. So you could say, look, well, project A, you'd be typically looking at 10 to 20K. Project B, typically 30 to 50K. Or project C, enterprise level, 100K plus. And then you could list some scenarios, perhaps some customer stories and that good stuff. But the good thing about it is, yes, you'll get less leads, but those leads will actually most likely have the budget to do business with you. will understand a bit more about the process and the type of clients you help. So on the qualifications um, step as well, what you can do is perhaps have information page on your, your process where you share the type of clients you help, typical problems that you fix, 
your solution, typical timeframes and how you work with customers, the kind of interaction they can expect and what a project management flow works like with you. So this way, you're just not aiming to drive as much inbound as possible. You're actually aiming to qualify it a bit more. So it's going to save your sales team time or yourself time if you're a small business and you're the owner that's actually speaking to sales schools. So something to consider there. Yeah, I mean, you, you want to make it easy for those that are qualified to convert and you want to make, give more information, more education to those that aren't qualified so they reach that stage. And all of those things needs to be on your website. Definitely. Right? It's it's not just something that where people are coming that are already ready to buy to convert. You need to also do as well and uh it comes down to pricing as well it's it's one thing that you know especially today in the tech world as you said lots of companies are trying to avoid you know can we not put that we like to we like to do custom deals well you know what i do custom deals as well but i still have the packages on the website just so it makes it easy for me and for a customer to kind of see where are we in the price range you know exactly. are they the right fit for us or they aren't or you know or maybe the thing that i have done make it maybe can be good for the for the people um i started the pricing on a website with uh five thousand dollars the first package which was only it was only with templates and i did it because uh that was the mindset I wanted them to come to me, you know, like, but we are not getting anything for $5,000. So probably these guys are, you know, are a big deal working with, with, you know, with bigger companies, those kind of stuff. Will they work with us? You know, and sure, we will come up with something custom, but that's the mindset I want them to come to me. Cause like coming from Europe and going to the U S market, people in most cases don't trust us. You know, they want to have more things. They want to talk with the clients. They want different stuff. They, they go to the Europe because we are cheaper, you know, those kind of stuff. And I was thinking on, on ways that we can actually uh, eliminate those things before we get to the conversation. Just something that I think lots of companies are dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. Positioning, like you say, like sometimes pricing subconsciously. It's not not every buyer, of course, but like you say, if you're if you're at a certain level and your pricing starts from X up to Y, people might think, well, these companies aren't this this business isn't messing about that their, their tiers start at this rate. So, yeah. yeah also, it, also related related to that, one more uh, short thing. I think what you can do besides the thing that you said, having a video or testimonial when somebody goes and clicks the to schedule a call, uh, it might be a good thing, you know, to have your ICPs like. We are we are working with companies, the, 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 like three types of companies or something like that. Is also like when somebody comes to the contact us page and they see that maybe they are not one of those three, maybe they will leave. You know, yeah. those kind of stuff helps you actually not get into too many conversations with people that don't want what you are selling. Yeah, yeah. And another thing I found on pricing is that a lot of companies find them sending finding their sales team, especially sending out proposal documents, quote documents, PDFs usually. And before you know it, your life is all day sending PDFs back and forth to customers. Did you get my PDF? Oh, no, it went to spam folder. And most of the time when you're sending out proposals, all they're doing is flicking through the first pages to check you've understood their problem and then skipping to the pricing. Um, so, yeah, most of the time you can actually just email your pricing page, depending on the complexity of your project. I'm not saying you need to ditch proposals. Are you still there, Nemanja? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard you. I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but yes, you know, it it uh, it tells me my Wi-Fi is okay, everything is okay, but still, you know, yeah, it's okay. Sure. Um, so one thing that I want actually a couple of things. Let's get yep. into uh, to a couple of uh, things that people can do to become relevant in the search as a company. When they implemented all those little stuff that we tell them related to the website. What are some things that they can do to, you know, uh, be visible in the search? Sure. One, one thing is avoid the, you know, waiting uh, and those stuff, activate Google ads and be present for the first day, just so you can kind of cover the gap while the SEO starts working. 
but what yep. are some things that we need to do so it actually starts working? Yeah, sure. So one one thing that we were, I was going to mention anyway is also, as well as thinking of your site as a piece to attract and build trust with and qualify and convert idle clients, also to educate prospects. So if people find you perhaps from social or from a podcast, or maybe they find you on search for a higher up the sales funnel search query or something like that, having piece of content on your site that actually educate buyers um, on your sector. So perhaps you've got a resources or a knowledge hub, and then maybe that has things like useful blog articles. Maybe it has things like podcasts. Maybe it has guides. Maybe it has videos and other breakdowns and resources. So then you can start building like a hub of content and you can also gear that around SEO. So as well as having information pages for your main service and your products and your locations that you serve, um, but also putting out, like you say, useful articles that are perhaps answering common questions that buyers come to you with that are maybe linked to some of your higher up the sales funnel search queries. Um, so for example, what to consider before doing a demand gen strategy might be a B2B one or what to consider before investing in SaaS accountancy software, those kind of things that answer kind of early stage sales questions that you might get. And just by creating really useful, detailed, informative, helpful content, that alone sometimes can rank on, on search engines. Um, and also, if you're a more local business or more niche business and you only have a small amount of competition or you only serve a small geographic area, just by doing solid on-site SEO, having information pages for your main services, having useful articles, doing good technical SEO, making sure your website loads fast, is easy to navigate, making sure your metadata, your page titles, image alt tags is all on point. Sometimes that's enough to get ranked. If you follow the basics right and do it in line with the keyword research, sometimes you can get ranked. But... Yeah, maybe, you, maybe maybe also like the, the Google My Business stuff. Google My Business for sure for local. Yeah, usually people forget about that, but I think like especially on a local level, that's you know very important. I mean, depending on what's your business about, but if you're going local, for sure. Definitely, definitely good ad for local SEO. Definitely. Um, but with that said, so that's all good if you're a small niche industry only cover certain areas, you might start ranking. But if you are a larger company perhaps you serve globally perhaps you're in quite a competitive space then the chances are you're going to need to do all that on-page stuff but you're also going to need to off-page off-site seo which is where things like you touched on Amanda, looking at kind of directory listings that you can get on um where you can submit your website put a description about what you offer and put a link back to to your site on but then you're probably going to want to go down the quality link building route so start creating kind of really detailed informative articles on some of the more bottom of the funnel searches that you're targeting, where people are actually having by intent, i.e. service type provider or best X provider or whatever that may be, and then looking to get those articles onto these high, what we call high domain authority sites or article submission sites with a link, a backlink back to your site, which over time builds up your domain authority and helps push your organic rankings up in the, the Google search results. So that... That's one of the trickier parts, actually being able to get on these higher domain authority sites. So some businesses that perhaps don't have the budget, then a starting point that you can consider is putting out articles and distributing them on perhaps free sites. So whether that's WordPress blogs, whether that's Medium, whether that's like Blogger, um, there's a lot of kind of article submission sites there that are free and accessible where you can still put articles out. You can write good content and you can put a link back to your site. But then when you're getting to kind of higher level, you might want to look at kind of more premium sites that are industry relevant to what you offer um, when you're going to be putting out detailed pieces. So a uh, couple of questions. Do you think that today podcasts are like the modern way to build links? It can be. I mean, it's f for my, for example, you've probably, you've probably seen the same, the manager actually with your, with your funky marketing site. So with my, um, podcast site businessgrowth.marketing I haven't really done any SEO but I've been invited on quite a few podcasts and just through the podcast that I was invited on because they put an article for most of them and then put a link back to the site that's slowly given us a ranking without really bothering on SEO for that podcast site because we focus on most on web choice so yeah they definitely are and especially if it's like a quite a reputable site that's been around for a few years it's got quite a, a established ranking on a Google and if they create an article page for you and you build a podcast strategy, that's actually a good free way to get yourself out and about. Um, but then there's, a, there's other ideas like perhaps collaborating on a blog article together. So maybe you find an industry relevant 
partner or a distribution partner, maybe someone that can add value to your service or that you can add value to theirs. And then you can contact their site admin or their marketing team and just say, look, I've got a really cool idea for this article. Would you be up for collaborating on it and getting a backlink? So there's a lot of creative ways that you can think about, whether that's podcasts, collaborating on articles, teaming up for a video, and then building information page on their site and your site and then linking back to each other in return for kind of a quality backlink. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, uh, while I was doing SEO as well, like at the beginning of my career, there is one thing because we had local local clients based in Canada, automotive industry, so car repair shop, auto repair, those kind of stuff. And, you know, thinking of how we should actually build links on a, on a local market, you know, um, it's like building relationships. Like who are the people that you want to, you know, to be connected with, to be linked with. You don't want some, you know, uh, bad domains, bad websites, spammy ones. On a local level, you don't want to be connected with somebody that, that the whole city hates. For example, like, you know, it can be people from different industry, from different, uh, you know, uh, niches, but they need to be relevant. They need to be relevant for the community. They need to be relevant for Google as well. And you want to have links links towards them yeah and that's it and they've got to be safe as well like you don't want to link safe, to dodgy yes. sites and you don't want to hop onto fiverr.com download or buy a thousand backlinks for five pounds or ten pounds because whilst it might give you a short-term boost long term if google catches wind of it if google finds out you could get penalized or your site can even get blacklisted so you've just got to be careful on some of the strategies you do when it comes to off page SEO. Yeah, um, I was. Uh, I wanted to ask you: Do you have any advice? Because we are seeing that YouTube is becoming the relevant thing in the in the in the Google search engines. And uh, you know, most of the times, if you now Google um, something, you come up with a relevant uh, link from YouTube as well. So I think LinkedIn is good from brand for branding. Yeah, but it it's like. The whole structure of the YouTube SEO is a little bit different than Google, but still very relevant. Yeah. I'm, I don't claim to be a YouTube SEO expert, so my knowledge on that side of things is fairly limited. But It's okay. I, we'll combine. <laughs> <laughs> but what I would say is I've started doing this a little bit on my podcast just as a test. So I've started some of the – because what we tend to do is do one guest episode a week and then one solo episode a week. And then what I do with the solo episode is I tend to now – just bring up common questions that I get on sales calls and then just do like a short five to 10 minute, minute video nice. on those. So then they're searchable in Google. So if someone types it, the video might come up or someone types it on Google might come up. But then I can also point prospects to it. So if I get a sales call and they say, what's the manager? And I just point them to this podcast episode. Or if they say, what, are your, what is your process for building a website? I point them to this other video I've built. So I'm literally slowly building a collection of resources so people can, it's searchable, so it can rank on search engines, but it's also useful so you don't have to ten, spend 20 minutes on a call. You can just ping someone on an email. Love it. Love it. I, I had uh, um, here on the call uh, Mike Vinette, who is now back yeah. from, from LinkedIn. He's back. He's back now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of – he told me – I asked him, you know, like, where do you get business now when you are not on LinkedIn? He said from YouTube, I got all the things yeah, from man. two links on YouTube. And uh, all the business comes from those two links. And uh, I was recently, we are renovating our YouTube channel and actually for the first time investing in it. Because like I said, we have more than 400 videos and we are getting shit from YouTube. Let's, let's try to fix it. And uh, what I found out is that the way you name your articles, your uh, your videos needs to be a lot different than it is on Google. Sure, you need to have the keywords, those kind of stuff in the in the headline, inside the, the first paragraph of the of the description, in tags, hashtags, everything. But still, it needs to be a clickbaitish, because you want to lure people to actually click click on that thing. And if yeah. they click, then YouTube rolls out and starts doing, uh, you know, its thing. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I got the idea, actually, because Mike, like you said, he mentioned that he got a lot of business from YouTube and he said, look, think about searchable content. So 
it kind of makes sense, right? Creating content that's going to answer questions that you get most days on sales calls. So then you can point people to it. It makes your life easier. Then if it's searchable at the same time, you can generate inbound leads from it. It's, It's kind of a no brainer. And then you can repurpose them like we do into podcasts and all that good stuff, maybe make a blog article of it. So it's, it's really useful evergreen SEO content. Exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are doing that. We were doing that from the start, but now I don't know why we are not doing it. But, you know, when we record an episode of the podcast, post it on YouTube, post it on, uh, you know, on all the audio platforms, yep. and then embed the links into the website page into the article, however uh, do you call it, uh, and basically share that link where you have the links to the YouTube, to the audio platforms, uh, maybe some, uh, you know, uh, outlines or a couple of things from the episode, main points, share that, and that will do the work for the for the SEO from another perspective. Yeah, I've, I've not tried it that much, to be fair. Um podcast and youtube promotion is if anyone ever if you crack youtube manager let me know because i've we get we get fairly decent downloads on the audio podcast but youtube is one i struggle with so i'm really trying to up same, my YouTube same game. here I, I i have the guy who uh gave me the feedback and now i want to see what will happen and then i'll call him to the to the podcast to share things yeah right? <laughs> we'll be good we'll be good but uh but sure alexander ashkovich is uh is the guy working with some uh big youtube channels here in the region and my go-to go-to guy for for that so uh cool man yeah i i found out that there are lots of tools that are there and that we can use so man uh we are nearly the end uh of the of the time so tell me one thing that people that you want people to take away from this and tell me where they can find more information about you about what you guys are doing about your podcast and all this other stuff yeah appreciate it man so i guess the one takeaway is to actually design your website i guess instead of just thinking of it as a basic tool but if you actually want your site to generate business to like we talked about qualify build trust with, educate and convert idle clients. Think about designing it for them. So start having more conversations with idle customers, existing customers, prospects, understanding what they really care about. So the common problems they come to you with, what they actually want to see on a vendor like your site, and then doing that, building your copy, building your pages around that, thinking about the SEO points, thinking about the conversion points, the best practices we've chatted about, and thinking about it as an investment rather than just an expense, thinking about it as an investment that can improve over time, it can rank rank on Google. It can generate inbound, um, and it can really help your business when it's done right. So that's that's probably my parting gift. But yeah, otherwise, thanks very much for having me on. If you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Sam Dunning. Um, like we say, I run run a podcast called Business Growth Show Marketing Podcast. We share actionable website and marketing tips with guest interviews each week. Otherwise, if you're perhaps frustrated that every time you search for your product or service on Google, you're seeing your competitors above you and they're stealing your traffic and your customers. Um, or perhaps your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Give us a shout. It's webchoiceuk.com. Yeah, man. That's that's the CTA I want to hear. Uh, thanks thanks for being here. Thanks for investing time. Uh, man, I'll have you uh, at least one more time on the show so we can get deeper into, into some of the topics. Uh Guys, go back to the beginning of the episode. We, we went back and forth on lots of stuff. Uh, there are some small gems inside the episode. Uh, get all of them. Uh, then reach out to Sam if you need uh, further explanation about those stuff. Uh, or start a conversation and involve two of us on LinkedIn. That's also uh, a possibility. And uh, always, for the end, what we say here is don't forget to keep it funky. Bye-bye, guys. Bye-bye, Sam.